0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees. 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com FM Talk Podcast.
1: Welcome, welcome to Hour 2 of Wiggins America, and happy Christmas Eve to you. I apologize that you're up so early. Uh, Maybe you're working, and if that's so, then great. I'm glad to have you as company. Uh, Let's talk about some real news. We did the whole first hour on kind of a Christmas special. This hour, we're going to talk about what's going on in the world, because usually what I'd love to say is that on Christmas Eve, we can kind of take a break from that stuff. Not so this week. I'm going to just say a couple of titles of news stories, and you're going to know, Yeah, gosh, that is going on. Gosh, there's so much. This is supposed to be a dead week. Next week, especially, between Christmas and New Year's, supposed to be a dead week. Maybe it will be. We'll see. But Title 42, <clears throat> that's the, uh, the COVID-era immigration, illegal immigration block that was put in place that is back and forth on whether or not it is going to be in place. Um, We're going to talk to a guest in the next segment about that very thing, where it stands, what it means if it goes away. Looks like it's going to stick around for at least another couple months, but we'll see. Um, And also the budget. It ain't looking good, guys. Uh, If you're trying to be a fiscal conservative or even a (laughs) fiscal moderate, It's not looking good. I don't know why we elect these people, these Republicans. I know why people elect Democrats, because their solution to everything is to spend more of your money. So if you elect them, you know what you're getting. If you elect a Republican, I'm not sure what the heck these people are doing. And I use the word heck there because it's Christmas Eve. I would like to use a stronger word, but these people have no financial restraint. There's, There's some of them in Congress. There's the Rand Pauls. There's the Mike Lees who do a very good job on this stuff. But that's just two people. Even Joe Manchin has been better than most Republicans on this. Unbelievable. But anyway, that's all coming up. Excuse me. And so is this. This is what I wanted to open the show with today. It is either completely on your radar, as in you're following it, you're following every twist and turn that you can find, because it's very difficult to follow the story. Uh, Let me actually pull this up. I'm going to do this live. Um, As I pull it up, It is the Katie Hobbs, Katie Hobbs-Carrie Lake trial that is going on. It's been going on all this week. So it started on Monday, and here's a little bit of the history of this thing. They didn't think they were going to get a trial. They had to present their case for why there should be a trial at all. So the judge granted them two of the ten points that they were claiming to go to trial. Now that's pretty common. You throw spaghetti at the wall, you see what sticks. Well, two of them stuck. One of them though, is one that everybody who watches these things wanted to see. And that is the signature verification process that did not go to trial. And that is unfortunate because that's a big one. Everybody knows there's huge problems with this. If you see somebody draw a straight line, in a signature verification, and then the people who see it or the machines that see it go, yeah, that's fine. That's a problem. Um, copies and things, that, there's a lot there. None of that went to trial. So that's kind of the bad news is that one got left off. But the two that didn't, <clears throat> that went to trial this week, chain of custody failure and printer slash tabulator malfunctions. So those are two pretty serious allegations there from the from the uh, Lake team that I want to dive into with you if you're not paying attention to these things. Now, could they turn into nothing? Yes. Will they turn into nothing? Probably. Yeah. It's going to take a judge, and this judge, don't know anything about him politically, guarantee that if he somehow has the cojones to say there's been problems here, that he will be branded. You you, you haven't heard about it at all. If he comes out and says, yeah, there's been big problems, um, we're going to throw this out. He will be branded as an activist judge. Just remember that before this trial, nobody knew anything about his politics. He's clearly not an activist judge. But that also means that he probably is going to be hesitant to break all protocol because if he says there's enough fishy business here to overturn the election in Maricopa, man, the fallout is huge. He's branding himself for the rest of his life. All reasons why that shouldn't matter, but I'm just telling you that's the reality of things. And so I don't expect anything to happen with this partially because of the social pressure that goes along with it. Um, Like I said, I'm going to do this live while I pulled up the stories, the top stories on Katie Hobbs, Carrie Lake trial as trending right now. And by trending, I mean, this is what Google tells me is most important. Um, Kerry Lake trial to be Arizona governor lacks day one shockers. That's the AP news, ABC News. Kerry Lake election lawsuit will go to trial. Oh, that's a couple of days old. Here's my point: the the ones that are reporting on this are few and far between. So there's a, there's a media strategy here. Can you see it? It's avoid it. It's bury it. It's nothing. If they do write on it, what they write is. Don't pay attention to this. It's nothing. So if it becomes something, then at least you'll be ahead of the game and you'll know uh, that this was happening. Because if if something happens here, people are going to be blindsided. Here's the two challenges that have been seen in court this week. Monday and Tuesday were oral arguments. Wednesday and Thursday were the actual trial where you had witnesses. You had the typical trial going on. So Wednesday was the day of boom. That was the day that you saw anything that was really making, (laughs) I hesitate to use the word news because we just talked about there wasn't really much news, but at least Twitter, (laughs) people following this because it was publicly available to watch. I've been watching it like crazy to try to just deliver this news to you so that you can get at least the 30,000 foot overview of it. Um, That was the day, Wednesday, that you saw most of the major stuff come out. Thursday was a lot of the defense backtracking and trying to come up with reasons why Wednesday didn't matter. And the prosecution just kind of digging in further on what they were doing on Wednesday. Which was, one, chain of custody failure. So Lake's team claims that there are hundreds of thousands of ballots in Maricopa alone that nobody knows where they came from. What they're trying to prove is that that's true, and the defense is saying, "No, we do know." But one of the major points that they've been bringing up is, "Look, you don't even know how many at Runback. Do you know what Runback is? It's a company that prints the ballots. So they have their their employees there were allowed to vote and then stick their votes just kind of in the pile. Well, they don't even know how many of their employees did that. So that and they, there is a Runback employee that's testifying to that fact." So that is hard evidence of a small number. Now, that's not hundreds of thousands, but that's hard evidence of an instance in which there are untold number of ballots, and let's say it's only 50, that they have no chain of custody for. Well, what they're saying is that's an instance that's happened all over the state, not necessarily with Runback, but with Maricopa not having any idea where so many ballots came from. That delegitimizes the election. You can't trust it because there could be lots of fraudulent balance in there. That's number one. Number two is, and by the way, I've been watching both sides of this. It's real easy to see the left side because they, they want you, if you consume this at all, they want you to know a few key points. But that's it. It's really hard to find the actual facts about the trial without sitting there and watching <clears throat> all the you know, twenty hours of it, which I, I can't do because I'm on the air too much to just sit and do that. Um, but the second claim and the, and the second circumstance that they're trying to try here is the printer tabulator malfunction. Now that has actually become a pretty big deal. The first one, they're going to have a lot more trouble proving with hard numbers anyway. The second one, they <laughs> that's where you get some of the bombshells. And I did pull a few clips. I don't know if we'll use them here. But to summarize them, there have been lots of people that they've called to the stand that have said that absolutely, for sure, there is no way to misprint these ballots without doing it intentionally. And the ones that have gotten the most attention are there's, there are different sizes of ballots. Most of them are 20-inch paper. And they're printing 19-inch ballots on 20-inch paper. Now, you can't do that without having clearance to do that. You can't just go in, be an election worker, and be like, print to screen, print "Print to fit. You can't do that. Um, You have to be able to do that, and you have to have clearance to do that. So it has to be intentional. That's been proven. That's not even a question anymore. That's not up for debate. What is up to for debate is why this happened. Was it intentional um, with malice or was it intentional with stupidity? Either way, the Lake team has a very strong case to make to say that this disenfranchised voters because the machines were having such problems with these va- ballots. And they actually said, look, <clears throat> give us just a blind number of ballots and we'll prove that this happened a ton. So the judge actually allowed this. The Hobbs team tried to stop them from doing it and they said, here, here's 15 random ballots. Of those 15 random ballots inspected, 14 of them were printed wrong. Well, that sends the machine into fits sometimes, not always, but sometimes. And so the argument against it, which I do want to give, is that those votes were eventually counted though. So if the machine was having trouble with it, they'd put it to the side and they'd say, well, we'll we'll come back to this one, which they did. So now, hey, that doesn't matter if there's malice or at all or not, because those ballots were counted. That's the defense's claim. The prosecution's claim, the plaintiffs, like Kerry <clears throat> Lake's team, they say that well, regardless of whether they were counted, it caused so many problems at the voting booth that a lot of people were turned away. So this is where it's probably going to come down to is whether they're able to prove how many people were turned away. And in their words, it's untold because you can't count those people because they didn't vote. So there's, that's the argument. Will it overcome, and here's the key, uh, Arizona reporters are, are saying this over and over and over, and they are right about this, that you have to overcome the, the balance. You have to overcome the 17,000 votes that Hobbs won by for this to matter. So will the judge see this and say, yeah, there's definitely cause to think that at least 17,000 possible Lake voters were turned away? Or will he say, no, based on chain of custody or the printer tabulation malfunctions, will he say there was enough there that you can't trust the results of this election due to malfeasance or malfunction? That's the key. That's what we'll see. So hopefully in 12 minutes... That just gave you a pretty good overview and you understand what's going on, even if you're not paying attention to this thing. So that's what we're doing this hour. We're filling you in on all the news of the week. That one to me is a big one, even if the mainstream news isn't paying attention to it. Gosh, if something happens there, which I think we will know this coming week, how the judge decides, there's no jury. It's just the judge, how he decides on this thing. Um, It could be nothing. In fact, it probably will be nothing based on historical precedent of judges not wanting to interfere in such a major way. But if it is, boom, it's going to be a big news week. Stick around. More big news wrap-up coming up here on Wiggins America. Odyssey
2: celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.
1: All right. Merry Christmas. It is 97.1 FM Talk. This is Wiggins, America. I've got Rick Mehta on the phone. He is a current Georgetown University health law professor, and former Republican nominee for U.S. Senate. I wanted to ask you, Rick, about Title 42. Can you just at first kind of explain what this is? Because it's a term that's being thrown around that I don't know that everybody knows what it is.
2: Yeah, happy to. So Title 42 is actually a public service health service act it gives federal health officials some unique powers uh, during a pandemic for disease control to take measures uh, to limit the transmission of infectious disease and specifically title 42 under the trump administration was an order uh, that was introduced in order to suspend the right to introduce migrants into the united states uh, and to have a more effective process of removing illegal immigrants out of the country as part of the disease control efforts during the pandemic
1: So this has been in the news because it's been at the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court apparently has decided to allow it to continue. Well, what they what they
2: did, Justice Roberts said, is that they put a stay without giving explanation. The Biden administration tried to end Title 42, saying that the public health crisis at the border was not sufficient enough, meaning covid and the spread of covid in the detention centers and the reason for invoking Title 42 uh, was no longer uh, salient and necessary uh to fight covid meaning the amount of covid cases was not spiking during uh illegal immigration and so the so the chief chief justice and the supreme court uh put a stay on that saying asking for more information as to whether or not uh this was truly uh this is truly the case and allowed for briefs to be filed of course the southern states many led by republicans have fought against that uh, because what's happening now with this significant amount of in- of immigrants coming through our borders illegally, uh, we are having... uh, Title 42 is basically being used as one of the main tools uh, to fight against illegal uh, immigration at the southern border.
1: So, Rick, two ways to approach this, and I want to run both of these by you. From a Republican standpoint, this would look to be something that, yes, is giving a little bit of a pause to illegal immigration and so should be kept, but is really not solving the problem. It seems more like a Band-Aid than a solution to the wound.
2: Well, it's a Band-Aid over a severed artery, to be honest with you. I mean, if you look at the uh, unlawful crossings, we're looking at close to eight, up to 18,000 a day. Um, the number of asylum seekers has significantly increased, and our administrative judges that uh, hear asylum cases um, are overwhelmed. Their ba- dockets are backlogged. In fact, Uh, You know, this is something I think needs to be taken up in Congress. The current Congress is debating this. And Title 42 has actually become the sticking point for the passage of the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill right now. It seems like uh, there's been a bipartisan solution to allow for increased uh, enforcement at the border, uh, increased funding to uh, create border protection and, and complete the wall, uh, but, you know, yeah, Title 42, as a public health order, has become the main tool to fight against illegal
1: immigration. And now, since I said the here's what the Republicans were looking at it, Democrats, though, it seems as if what they're doing is the, the border has already become so porous that they're trying to remove this would seem to be the last thing preventing it from being completely open. How does that make any sense? Well, it it really doesn't. And and
2: actually, there's a lot of hypocrisy that's going on. So what the Biden administration is saying is that Title 42, which is the disease control measure that was implemented uh, for the pandemic is now saying that the number of infectious diseases due to COVID uh, is no longer a public health threat. This is all under the entire guise that we're still living under a federal public health emergency. So what the Biden administration is signaling is that COVID is a, an emergency for Americans in order to control Americans. But if you're illegally entering the country, it's no longer a public health emergency or an issue. And so that hypocrisy is palpable and a lot has to do with this uh, political Agenda that they have in order to create a greater influx of migrants to our country, not through the legal process.
1: So, Rick, kind of wrap this up for us this morning. It's Christmas Eve. I can't believe I'm saying that, but we're still talking about political issues. It's been such a busy political week of all weeks. We're still we're still doing this. But uh, what happens now? Does, does Title Forty Two? remain in place is it part of this budget negotiations i mean it like you said it doesn't seem to be the solution it's just that anything to keep some sort of sanity at the border is a good thing what happens to title 42 or really big picture what happens next with the border is is the is the uh, omnibus bill going to be any sort of solution that we could look to here well,
2: what we're going to see now, I can't if I put on my prognostication hat, uh, we're going to see the omnibus bill start to address some of the issues that even moderate Democrats are facing. You know, you have the reelection of some of the moderate Democrats. Um, and and so they're concerned uh, about their reelection. They're concerned that border is a problem, both bipartisan problem. Uh, so you're gonna see increased funding in the omnibus bill for more immigration judges to speed asylum cases. Uh, you're gonna see a, a little bit more money for US attorneys to prosecute border crimes. Uh, detention capa- capacities increasing and then funding for drug enforcement at the border, along with uh, fill gap measures to increase the border wall uh, and increase uh, immigration and customs enforcement. I think you're going to have to see that in the omnibus bill in order for the omnibus bill to pass. Uh, And obviously, uh, you know, no Congress member wants the federal government to shut down. And so now Title 42 has become a pretty big sticking point. I think you're going to see an extension of Title 42 uh, to allow for additional controls uh, at the border. Again, a very, very small amount of uh, money in in terms of the entire one point seven trillion dollar proposal. But I think these are the concessions that are going to have to be
1: had in order for uh, Democrats and Republicans to be able to pass uh, the uh, spending bill right well thank you for honing in on that i appreciate your expertise on the topic because we're really kind of crossing topics here but it's all interrelated it's all interconnected here right on the heels of christmas (laughs) amazingly like i said i can't believe that it's been such a busy political week but it has and thank you so much rick Meta, for making time for us current georgetown university health law professor former republican u.s nominee uh, for senate you want people to find you connect with you rick Yep, please do. Go to RickMeda underscore NJ on Twitter and follow along. All right. Appreciate your time and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. More Wiggins America coming up. That is a new Christmas song from Lauren Daigle. Hey, I feel like I'm doing music radio again. That's what I would have said if I were still doing Christian music. That is a new one from Lauren Daigle here on 97.1 FM Talk. Well, this is Wiggins America playing Christmas music all show today because Merry Christmas. Um uh, talked about that quite a bit, actually, in this show. This hour, doing a little bit more hard news, open the hour talking about the Carrie Lake stuff, which just fascinates the pants off of me. That's not what I should have said. Merry Christmas again. Uh, let's start over here. I want to talk with you about some hard numbers that have come out this week. Now, let me intro this before I get into those numbers by saying that before the election... There was a talking point coming from the Biden administration that he had just been adding jobs left and right. You heard this, but you also knew that a recession was either here or was near. And depending on how you define recession, because, of course, if we just change the definition from what we used to say, we're not actually in a recession anymore. And the pain that people feel doesn't really matter because we changed the definition. Well, get this, from the second quarter of this year, this is March through June, the estimate from the Fed was that we added 1.12 million jobs just in that quarter. That's pretty good. In fact, that's great. Love to see us adding more than a million jobs in a quarter. Would love to see us adding more than that even, of course, that we want a good economy, regardless of who's president. This is America. We're all in this together. But unfortunately, now that the election is over, the Fed and right before Christmas. See, this is what's interesting about you're listening to the radio station right now. We're still doing a show, even though it's Christmas Eve. This kind of news comes out right before Christmas or next week, which I'll still be broadcasting. I will still be broadcasting next week for that reason, partially, because they try to sneak news in a lot. This is one of those that looks very sneaky. The Fed adjusted the rate. That they thought, again, 1.12 million jobs added in the second quarter. They adjusted that now that they really know. And they're like, actually, we were off by about 1.1 million. (laughs) Remember, they estimated 1.12 million. They were off by over 1.1 million. As in, they only added 10,000 jobs. That is so egregiously off that you, you got to think there had to be something here that they knew, but they were trying to pump those numbers up pre-election. Incredible. Only 10,500 new jobs added in the entire second quarter. 10,500 jobs compared to 1.12 million, which they were publicly saying, but now adjusted back. Now, based on that fact... What do you think the third quarter looked like? Yeah, we're in a recession, unfortunately. Now, we don't know exactly because all we have for the third quarter right now and fourth, since we're technically still in it at the very end of it, is just estimates. So we won't know these kind of adjustments until a few months from now. So we don't really know, but these are recession numbers. That's what it looks like, unfortunately. eh, But, you know, election's over, so now it doesn't really matter. And it's Christmas week, so let's drop this news. Here are some facts that I looked up as to why the job numbers are not getting any better. Because we kind of stopped talking about this because the estimates looked pretty good. Oh, maybe people are going back to work. And when you talk to people, and this is the ultimate test, when you just talk to people who you know are in industries like that, for me, I'm not in an industry that has high unemployment. People clamor to get these jobs usually, but even we felt it getting part-time staff. Um, But in industries that do struggle to staff, they've really struggled. But that seems to have eased a little bit from just the circle of people that I talk to. I don't know about you. If you're up right now and you're listening on Christmas Eve, you're probably working. How has it been for you? How has it been at your environment, in your workplace? Have you struggled to get people or keep people? Have you thought about leaving? Well, here's reasons why people are. In 24 states, that's almost half of the country. Unemployment benefits and Obamacare subsidies, just those two things, not welfare, not other things, just unemployment and Obamacare subsidies for a family of four with no one working in the household are the annualized equivalent of at least the national median household. A lot of big words. What that's saying is that if you are a family of four, the parents are on unemployment and Obamacare subsidies. In 24 states, you're making the median income right there for doing nothing. In a dozen states, 12 states, the value of unemployment benefits and Obamacare subsidies, just those two things, exceeds the salary and benefits of the average teacher, retail worker, construction worker, electrician, firefighter, truck driver, machinist. You wonder why people aren't going back to work? This is why. These unemployment benefits... And Obamacare subsidies aren't new. I guess they are under Obama. They were new. But they've been around for a decade now or more in some cases. So what's happening in New Jersey if a family of four can receive benefits equal to an annualized earned income of $108,000 with no one working? <laughs> these things have been around. It's that people have discovered them. Now, there have always been people who were abusing these things. But after 2020 when we forced people to go home and then forced them to not come back, and then once they wanted to come back, forced them to get a vaccine or they're fired, we gave people every reason possible to not work. So for the last two years, we've been feeling this and thinking maybe, hey, in 2022, it was starting to turn around. Fed says, no, we lied to you before the election. Or it was just misinformation. It wasn't disinformation. It was just misinformation. And now we're dealing with, the, with this, these problems. These problems aren't going to go away. They're just going to get worse. <clears throat> I mean, if I'm in New Jersey and, my wife, and I, my wife is a teacher, that was one of those jobs listed there, teacher, retail worker, construction worker. These are good jobs, electrician, firefighter, truck driver, machinist. Why would you want to work those jobs if your median income is the same doing nothing? Hey, I always wanted to be a painter. Why would I go be a machinist when I could make the exact same amount doing nothing and painting? and also watching Netflix and playing video games all day. That would be more fun than going and being a truck driver or a firefighter or an electrician. They're paying me to do nothing. So that's where we are right now. I wanted to share those numbers with you. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to tell you Merry Christmas about 15 times today. Merry Christmas. I'm saying it a little bit ironically because this hour, again, we're doing some hard news. First hour, we did Christmassy stuff because it's Christmas and it's fun. And I... (laughs) I don't want to say that ironically. I don't want to say Merry Christmas ironically. I want to genuinely say to you Merry Christmas and count our blessings. It's a tough balance when you're reporting the news. I'll tell you the truth. It's tough balance to share the things that are happening in the world so that you're aware of them because there is a lot of people trying to do terrible things, sometimes in the name of good and in the name of love, and sometimes because they're just evil and they want to destroy everything. And... We have to be better than that. We've got to be better than just complaining and pointing at things. We have to be the solution. But the problem is that looks different for everybody. What being the solution is for me looks different for what it is for you. But that's where I encourage you as I had a long conversation just after college with a friend of mine who was going, what am I supposed to do? We all were there, right? At some point in your life, you go, what the heck am I supposed to do? What's my purpose here? And then we just kind of muddle along and try to figure it out. And I told him the same thing, man, have you prayed about it. And he was like, no, I haven't. I don't think he was a Christian. I think he was Jewish actually. Uh, but I still said the same thing. Have you prayed about it? How do you know what you're supposed to do without knowing the person? How do you know what you're created to do without knowing the creator? That's, that's my Merry Christmas message in this hour. <laughs> We've done a lot of Merry Christmas and we'll continue Thanks for listening to Wiggins America. We will be right back. Merry Christmas
0: Eve.
1: This is the, I would say, second best version of this song. I really prefer Nat King Cole's version. That one's my second favorite. It really moves you to tears. Merry Christmas Eve. And if you want to hear that whole thing, I'll try to play it on the way out as well because it uh, is just a moving song. Uh, Before we get to anything else, I do want to mention this, the... uh, the bill that passed the Senate and House now, the omnibus spending bill, just a few things that are earmarked in there, but by, by the way, we were supposed to have earmarks done away with, but that's just they decided we don't care about that anymore. Federal land government acquisition ac- ac- acquisitions, 900 million dollars for that. They can just buy up land for who knows what? EPA increases for things like environmental justice. So they, they already have $10 billion that EPA gets every year. EPA, $10 billion. They're increasing that by $672 million in this bill. Uh, shared equity housing models, what does that mean? 400, or $4 million. Gender advisor programs for the Pentagon, $8.6 million. Corporation for Public Broadcasting, $535 million. Minority Health Research, $524 million. Minority-owned business development, $70 million. Ask yourself for a second, what even does that do? Business development. Government money spent on business development for minorities. What exactly is that accomplishing? You'd think maybe... Just get your hands out of the business market. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, Title X, which funds Planned Parenthood and family planning reproductive health, $861 million. Border security... Not for America, though. For Middle Eastern nations, $410 million. Just wanted to mention that. Just wanted to mention it as we close out this Christmas Eve broadcast of Wiggins America. Thank you so much for being here this morning. So what are your big plans? Are you traveling? Is it too cold to travel? I got good news on that front. While it is super, super cold, uh, yesterday was the worst of it. Well, Thursday evening slash yesterday was the worst of it. And then today it's going to get up to about uh, 20-ish, maybe not even that. But tomorrow it should be about 24 for Christmas. And it'll kind of be a white Christmas. I don't think what we're seeing is going to go anywhere. So that's kind of fun. But then beyond that, by the end of next week, so by this show next week, Saturday morning, Saturday, high of almost 60 degrees. I kid you not. So whatever you're feeling right now, just get ready for a change because it's going to get a lot better. As Dave Murray said, the worst that ever happened was 1989, um, at least within most of our lifetimes, when it was similar to now, maybe even a little bit worse as far as the windshield goes, which got to about negative 25 at its worst here in St. Louis these last couple of days. Well, that happened in 89, but it got even lower and then the next week, turned around, and they were in the mid-60s. So this is, really isn't that far off from that. This is pretty cool, actually, that by next weekend, New Year's Eve, that we could actually touch 60 degrees. How fun is that going to be? So enjoy the cold and snow while it lasts, I guess, if you, if you can enjoy it. One last thing I wanted to play before we got to the end of the show today. I mentioned this on the Annie Fry Show. Heidi H- Harris was filling in yesterday, and I said, Oh, oh I want to play this clip. Well, I went to play it, and it played the Crossfire thing that I played earlier. (laughs) So I had these clips picked out for the show this weekend, and I used the wrong one or labeled it wrong. Well, here it is. I'm going to play it, and if you didn't hear that show, see if you recognize this song. It's corn. You know it. I can't even sing it. I I, I know the song too. I can't sing it because they don't have lyrics. But if if Jonathan Davis were singing that song, I I could sing along with it. You know, I use the word sing loosely. But here's why I play that clip. Because the the world has gone crazy. That apparently. Is Governor Mike Huckabee playing that song? I'm not kidding. Yeah. The visual is crazy. Now, I thought that was a new clip. It's not. It's actually a couple years old. It's from Governor Mike Huckabee's show that he had on TBN. Don't even know if he has that show anymore. Don't know if it did very well. It was a late-night talk show in the Jimmy Kimmel style, <clears throat> in the Carson style of shows, whatever you want to call it. Where Mike Huckabee was the host, and he'd have guests, and he actually had fairly big guests, because within the conservative world, there are, in politics especially, but then even in some in entertainment, who will who will go on those shows? And you're like, actually, that, that's that's a pretty big guest. He ha- I remember he had his daughter on one time. That was probably the best interview he did. He's not really a comedian, though. <laughs> the show the show was not great. Um, but that was Brian Head Welch from the band Corn appearing on the Mike Huckabee show on TBN a couple years ago, and I don't know why that's making the rounds right now, but it made me laugh because to see it, you you would just—it's just, just jaw dropping. You're going, "What the heck is happening? This shouldn't happen. What I'm witnessing right now should not exist." Well, thanks anyway for listening to this show. This has been Wiggins America.